You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I want to talk about an article I read written by Rod Dreher, and we'll get into that in a minute. I just want to remind you that we're on Patreon, and there's a link below you can subscribe and help support the show, and we really appreciate it. Um, but today I want to get into this phenomenon that's happening apparently in evangelical churches. And Rod Dreher, if you guys don't know who he is, he's the senior editor at the American Conservative. He's written three New York Times bestsellers, including Live Not by Lies, The Benedict Option, and The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming. And I'm actually, he's coming on my show uh, in probably a few weeks. We haven't really set a date yet. He's in Budapest right now, (laughs) so it's hard to get the timing right, but He's going to be on my show soon to talk about his latest book, which is called Live Not By Lies, which is an amazing book. And he wrote an article in the American Conservative, and he's the he's the senior editor, as I said. And the title of the article is Secret Activists Queering Evangelical Churches? Question mark. Um, and apparently that's, there's this phenomenon of, of activists going into evangelical churches and kind of wreaking havoc and, um, you know, f- creating lawsuits to, for churches to deal with. And so I want to kind of go through what he says about this. And he says that, um, American, he says in most American churches, American Christians, prefer to console themselves with the idea that everything is going to be just fine if we keep doing what we've been doing, only with more heart. And he says that this idea is dangerously naive. And he was he had a telephone conversation with a leader in in an evangelical denomination. And that leader told him, I think you need to know what the next front in the culture war is. And so this guy, this this leader, tells him what's going on in the churches, and he he told him about these pastors in five different churches in the southern region of his state. He wouldn't really get into specifics because he wanted to protect this guy's uh, anonymity. And basically, what happens is he said strangers come and join their congregation. Activists, strangers, come and join their con- congregations. And six months or later, they come out as transgender and they demand their rights as official members of the congregation. And so he says that this is a concerted effort by these activists to undermine the church, these churches. And he says it's a serious concern among the denomination's lawyers that these undercover trans activists have found a legal way to force these congregations to capitulate on trans issues or face ruinous lawsuits. So this is kind of happening all over America. I, I've, I've seen it kind of happen in some churches that I know of. 
And, um, and well, of course, we all know the story of Jack Phillips. He was on my show. He is the Colorado cake baker, the masterpiece cake bake shop. And um, he was sued because he wouldn't create a, a, a cake for a gay wedding. He was in that lawsuit for years and years. It finally, I think, reached it reached the Supreme Court. He won. The Supreme Court ruled in his favor. But, but I think it was like the very next day, a trans activist who was on the city council of that of Colorado in that city walked into his cake shop and demanded him to bake a trans cake and he wouldn't do it. So he's, he's still involved in these lawsuits. I I think, I'm not sure where they are right now, but, but now this, that, that same kind of phenomenon is happening in churches now. And instead of just cake shops and flower shops and this, this pastor, this leader in these, these churches um, in this denomination says that if these churches get sued, they won't have enough resources to defend themselves and so it's pretty it's a pretty uh scary thing that's going on right now and he says basically they are sitting ducks he said on the advice of lawyers the congregations are rewriting their bylaws to protect themselves from the kind of sneak this kind of sneak attack and he went on to say that most of the people in his denomination believe that being a christian is mostly about holding certain cultural beliefs and being nice Quote, they can't understand why people don't like them. And they think that if they're nice, they'll win people over. (laughs) And he goes on to say, quote, I have tried to explain why this isn't true, but most of the leaders in my denomination don't want to believe it. In 10 years, this church is going to look very, very different. And so, you know, by the way, this is nothing new. I mean, this has been going on since the first century. The first century was full of persecution. Nero, as you know, emperor, the emperor Nero was was um, lighting Christians on fire in his at his garden parties to to illuminate the party, <laughs> and he was putting Christians in uh, animal skins and then having them attacked by other animals. Um, so. And, and, you know, obviously Paul was persecuted so much. He was, he was jailed. He was beaten several times. Um, and so we, we know that persecution and we're warned about persecution in the Bible several times. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but this is nothing new. This has been going on since the first century and since the very beginning of the church. And, um, but it's kind of new in this country it's new in the united states because uh you know we know that in china and in other countries in iran and um other countries like that that there is a lot of persecution uh there's horrendous persecution of christians and during this during the cold war during the soviet union and the eastern bloc uh behind the iron curtain there was so much persecution of christians just i think of um richard wormbrand who was i think he was Romanian and he was imprisoned for like 14 years and brutally beaten every day every single day he was beaten his story is is amazing uh he's with Christ right now so praise God he I think he died in 2001 or something but um you should look up just type in just uh do a YouTube search on Richard Wormbrand 
uh, and look at, watch his story because it's it's amazing. And then Rod Dreher goes on to say, this is the reality that traditional Christians in this culture have to face today. We know that Generation Z is likely to be the first generation in American history in which a majority will not be affiliated with a church. We also know that Generation Z is far more liberal on sexual morality and is far less liberal when it comes to tolerating dissent. Um, and he goes on to say he is uh, deeply discouraged. This, this, he, his friend is deeply discouraged about the future of traditional Christianity and his denomination. And so it's getting, it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's not going to get better until Christ returns, I think. Um, I doubt this is going to turn around, but. He says, uh, he says to please prepare yourselves, your families and your churches. Do not wait for your congregations or denominations leaders to take the initiative. So he's basically saying, just be aware of what's going on. He goes on to say that when these churches are sued by these activists, the case doesn't have to win to put churches out of business. It just has to drag and take up resources. So these these lawsuits can just drain the church's resources and basically put them out of business. We might have to go back to a house church <laughs> format as they did were in the first century. Um, and he says that secularists have thousands and thousands of lawyers on standby chomping at the bit for causes like this. And there are millions, if not billions in funds from wealthy liberals for such purposes. So um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a weird time in the church. It's a very strange time. And a lot of, you know, I, I've obviously, you guys know this, and I've seen this so much that church leaders and pastors are just kind of at, at this point, they don't really know what to do with all this stuff with the LGBTQ agenda, which it actually is now. It's an agenda. And so they kind of just like look the other way or they are starting to compromise. I know several pastors. I know one major pastor in America who has just basically given in to the LGBTQ uh, agenda and has kind of just compromised his his convictions, his beliefs, and is now more or less gay affirming. And so that's very that's and that's happening in a lot of churches. They're just kind of like, well, it's kind of like this idea of like, well, we're not really sure anymore. We don't really know. And it's like that attitude is so damning because it's it's leading so many human beings to eternal destruction that that it's it's a major problem. Um, and then Rod Dreher goes on to say, he says, finally, I doubt winning the case would even be the primary objective, winning a lawsuit. He says closing the churches is the objective of these activists. It's also making Christians live in fear, chasing the members away, making people afraid to identify with their churches or even as Christians. So even, yeah, even calling yourself a Christian today, you're automatically, in some places, you're automatically labeled as a bigot, and as homophobic and et cetera, et cetera, um, because you happen to have, and I, I want to say this because I, I talked to a friend about this. It's, you know, 
when people call you, I talked about this maybe in an earlier episode, but when people call you homophobic, what that's doing is, is because phobias are irrational, like the fear of heights, it's a fear of spiders. That's irrational fear. So when people call you homophobic, it's basically meant to shut you down and make you seem irrational. But it's like, no, I actually have a worldview. I believe in this thing, this thing called the Bible. I believe in the authority, the inerrancy, and the sufficiency of this book. And it's not that I'm just randomly opposed to get homosexual behavior. It's it's not that I believe that that homosexual behavior is a sin just kind of arbitrarily. It's because I believe the word of God. And I've done several episodes on why this this is a sin and and I've gone through the exegetical argument. But you can we can put those up. But um but yeah, it's 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 the 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 secular humanists don't understand that we actually have a very specific worldview and they have a very specific worldview as i talked about we talked about the worldviews in my last in the episode with natasha crane and and it's like yeah i can have my worldview and i i can actually believe that there is an objective reality that there is a god that um because i know him i actually know him (laughs) i i uh i have there's you know not only is there mountains and mountains of evidence that jesus existed and was the messiah but i can also know him just experientially i know that i know god um and so because i've 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 experienced him and I have a relationship with him. I'm in a relationship with uh, the king of the universe, with Christ. And so it's not just like willy nilly. You know, I know I, I have these convictions for a reason, you know, and as you all know, like I lived as a gay man for many, 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 many years and God rescued me out of that darkness and into his light. And so that's why I'm so passionate about um, the truth and so passionate about exposing the lies. And and this this kind of phenomenon that's going on in the churches is, as I think, again, it's only going to get worse. And so we have to be just prepared and pastors need to be prepared. And then he goes on to say in the article, and he talks about the members of the church. He says, and then there are the members. The activists will no doubt identify and expose the members of the church to the public and probably their employers. Joe, the auto mechanic might be fine, but the medical doctors, attorneys, engineers, the people who carry the financial burden of your church, what do you think their employers will do? These people will be subjugated to public struggle sessions by the activists slash media. If they say the wrong thing, they could find themselves unemployed, i.e. me. <laughs> As you guys know, I lost my career because of my how vocal I am about my faith. Um, and uh, anyway, he's, he goes on to say, how many members will even need that to run away and hide? Just being known to the public as a, quote, bigot might be enough for many members to disassociate. The members themselves need to be prepared for persecution. 
I'm going to get to what Jesus says about this in a minute, but we have to be really ready for this because uh, it's it's happening now, but it's I think it's going to get worse and worse very quickly. And then he says that he heard from an academic that uh, this academic's former research center actively recruited interns to go into churches posing as parishioners to spread gender ideology. So again, there's this concerted effort to basically bring down the church. And of course, we know that nothing can bring down the church because Jesus said the gates of hell, hell will not prevail against the church. Uh, and so we know that, that the bride of Christ, which is us, the church, will not be destroyed because Christ is, Christ is king. And... <laughs> He's going to make sure that it's not going to be destroyed no matter what happens. And so what do we do about this? First of all, as I said, we, as, as believers, we cannot cave to culture. And I know it's really tempting, especially if you're a parent of someone who's trans or LGBTQ or whatever, it's easy. It's, it's difficult not to, to give in to the culture, give in to the, the LGBTQ ideology because you love your child so much and you want to be there for them. But, but it's hard. I mean, you know, Jesus was pretty rough when he said this and he said, this is in the gospel of Matthew, uh, his mother's mother and brothers come to see him. And he says, it says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But Jesus replied to the man who told him, Quote, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So that's pretty, uh, pretty blunt. Um, and, and it's true. And so we have to, number one, not cave to culture. And we also have to remember... These are kind of a few verses that came to mind when I read this article. Number one, when in Matthew, on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So just remember that. And on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, Jesus said that your reward will be great in heaven if you're persecuted for his namesake. And so that's that's that gives me great comfort when I think of just all the crazy persecution that's going on. And then Jesus says in John, John chapter 15, Jesus says, as you know, he says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they per persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If, you, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. 
But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So just remember, they, they're going to hate you and me because they hated Jesus first. And so we're in pretty good company with the king. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is when Joshua was basically being commissioned by God to go into Canaan, he said to Joshua, he said a lot of things, but one of the things that, that stands out in terms of this is he said, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. So let's be courageous because we know we have the Lord God and he's with us wherever we go. So thank you guys for watching. Uh, I will see you next time. Hopefully uh, Rod Dreher will be on soon and we can talk uh, about his book, but um, I will see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 